Welcome to the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast from Nashville, Tennessee. I am your host, John Martin Keith. Celebrities, working class musicians, and people who work behind the scenes in all areas of the music industry will share their stories, encourage you, and give practical advice of ways you can make a living doing what you love in the music industry. This episode is brought to you by Edenbrook Productions. Edenbrook Productions is the company I founded to help musicians grow in their craft. Are you a songwriter, but maybe you've been told your songs aren't quite there yet? Or are your songs ready, but you don't feel stage ready? Or maybe music is your passion, but you feel imprisoned by your day job and you don't know what to do next to make your dream a reality. Well, Edenbrook Productions is here to help. We offer consulting services via phone call, Skype, and FaceTime. And for the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast listeners, we're offering an introductory one-hour consultation special. Click on the link in the show notes to contact me, and let's get you making a living in the music industry. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us today and hanging out with us as I talk with my friend Nate Sousa. Nate is an incredible guitar player and a great musician and a great person. He is the music director at my home church, Fellowship Bible Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. He has a great heart for God, a great heart for ministry and for people as well. And I wanted to have him on because we're going to shift our focus today talking about church music and about working in churches as either a worship leader or a music director. So the content is a little different, but again, like everything else, it crosses boundaries. Everything we do in life overlaps in how we do things. And Nate has a great head on his shoulders and a great leader. So I want you to sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation as we talk about working in ministry and music together. All right. Well, I am here with my very good friend, Mr. Nate Sousa. How are you today, hey, sir? Hey, man. I'm doing good. It's good to see you. Um, we're hanging out at your technically your office or next door to your office. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> In the nice conference room uh, here at Fellowship Bible Church, which is where we go to church together. Mm-hmm. And uh, we met, what is it, six years or so ago? Four, yeah, four years. Four or five years? Summer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so you're the music director here at the church. Yes. And... Um, and you're from California originally. Yes. Uh-huh. Born and raised That's in California. Awesome. Uh-huh. So let's talk about, you've done lots of stuff. You're an, an amazing guitar player. So for our listeners who may not be familiar with, with your name, you're a killer guitar player. Like, I'm a huge fan. Uh, thanks. <laughs> and uh, so that's why I ask you to come out and play with me all the time whenever, right. I, whenever yeah, I can take you, you because no, you. you're phenomenal and a fun person to hang out with. But let's get the quick rundown of how you got started in music. And also, I want to hear about your dad for a second. I want you to talk about your dad. Okay. And, uh, That's because a good place that to just, start. <laughs> that just popped in my head as, yeah. a, as a memory of, of a story that you told me uh, on tour one time about him and maybe that leads into how you got into it to begin with. Yeah, no, that's a great place to start. Yeah, yeah. so I, I grew up in a musical household. You know, my dad was uh, a longtime musician before I was born. And so probably what you're referring to was, so when he was in college, he uh, got together with some guys and made a band uh, called the Motowns, and that band uh, wrote songs and played around kind of the you know Oakland, San Francisco area, and they became the band Tower of Power. Yes, <laughs> awesome. so he was. Uh, I like to tell people he was the original drummer for Tower of Power. Yeah, uh, but it was really you know uh, same bass player, horn section, like all those guys were there. You know, it was pre Tower of Power. You know. Right. 
And so I think the story goes that when he, you know, got saved and wanted to get out of, you know, the the drugs and the rock and roll thing, then they wrote What is Hip. They brought Dave Garibaldi in and took off, you know, became Tower of Power, right. you know. So I always tease him now, like, well, you didn't become Tower of Power, but, you know, you met mom and had us, you know. <laughs> so it's like a whole nother life, you know, but... But um, he's a precursor to the Tower of Power. He's a part right. of that original group that yeah. became that. Was there, you yeah. know, kind of in the when it was all brewing and bubbling, yeah. you know? So yeah. pretty exciting. That was all like in the, um, you know, San Francisco area. So yeah, yeah so I grew up there in, uh, near San Francisco in the suburbs, and um, and my dad at that point was a worship leader. So he worked at a church and led the choir and led the worship on weekends and. Um, he also taught music uh, in the school that I went to, so he was actually my, you know, third or fourth grade choir director. You know, oh yeah. So I've got one older brother, and we were both just raised in a really musical household. You know, um, as you know, like all of his friends become musicians, so there's music music people all around. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're growing up. So uh, my brother played keys, I played piano uh, to start with, and then drums. And so I started playing drums for my dad uh, in you know, worship music at church, you know, so I was probably maybe fifth or sixth grade, you know, he would just let me like, you know, bang on the drums, like, you know, a small church, a couple hundred people, and I would just get up there and play with them, you know. So looking back, like that's, that's really how I started going, man, I really like playing music in front of people. Like I like performing in a way, but it was in church. I was grew up in church, you know, and so it was really using music to facilitate worship for people was awesome, you know, and I was... I think even at a young age, I started realizing, okay, my dad does this for a living. Like, this is awesome. You know, like other people are coming in and playing and they might be a chiropractor or they might be a banker or whatever. And somehow my dad found a path to, to do this, you know, to get paid to do this, right. you know? And so, uh, yeah, I think in hindsight, it started then, you know, throughout middle school and, and high school, just saying, you know, I love music. I have a passion for that. I mean, I'd love to see that come to fruition. I didn't know what that meant, obviously, when I'm 15, 16 years old. But um, it was right around then where I started making decisions on where to go to school and where to basically how to pursue all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you go to college for music? Yeah. So I, when I graduated high school, um, my older brother had gone to Azusa Pacific uh, University, which is in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, County. And uh, I had visited him a bunch. And as it sort of goes with the older siblings you know I had met all of his friends and saw his dorm you know so when it came time for me to go to college I really just applied there in one other school and and really just wanted to go to Azusa you know so I went to Azusa um, right out of high school and um, majored in music so I thought (laughs) so I started doing that took all the theory classes took all the you know arranging and um, they had this class called hymnology which was like the study of hymns and it was like this really you know, great overview of, you know, old church music. And when I got into my sophomore year, I, I really started realizing there was a path in front of me that was really at the time, this was like in 2002, you know, Azusa was really more about um, professional, you know, um, arranging, or if you're going to go arrange for movies, or you're going to go, you know, be a, the new Beethoven of the world, you know, like that kind of stuff, which I started to see like a, a sort of why in the road, like which way do I go? And uh, so at that point, I actually changed majors from music to theology because I really liked my Bible classes. Um, I really liked the church history part of it. And so I, I started to already think of my future 
in church music to really kind of, you know, I want to be musically proficient. I want to know, you know, how music theory works and how different instruments work. But I also need to know the Bible. I need to know like a solid foundation for truth, you know, um, the, the church part of church music, you know. And right. so um, at that point, yeah, so I changed majors and graduated with a theology degree um, from Azusa. And then when I graduated, uh, it was either go into the workforce or stay in school, you know. And so I stayed in school, <laughs> you know, maybe to put that off for a little bit. Um, and I went to um, Fuller Seminary in Pasadena, California. And they also had a great program that was theology and art is what they called it, two-year program. And that was really kind of the same thing I had done at Azusa, which was taking theology, the study of God, and art, which was, you know, my passion and what I grew up loving and, and playing and, and learning all that uh, about instruments and all that, to put that in with theology. How do these two converge, you know, which is like, oh, this is awesome. Like, this is exactly what I want to be doing, you know, with my life. So did that program. And then it was, now what do I do? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. so... Yeah, a lot of the listeners might be right there, you know, saying, okay, yeah. I've got the training, I've got the the idea and the passion, but I don't now I don't know what to do. Right. You know. And so usually I would wait till towards the end of uh, end of the interview to maybe go into this, but mm-hmm. since you're saying that, let's talk about that yeah. for a minute. So especially for listeners that are on that, that precipice now. Yeah. You know, you're you're at the end of your, your college or schooling or wherever you are, mm-hmm. um, and you've got to go out into the workforce. Yeah. What, what do you do? Like you know, yeah. how, how did you go from go yeah. from that Great tra- transition? Yeah. So when I got done with school, um, I, then I started looking at churches to work at. Okay. And um, so that was your your goal, to, leaving school to begin with, was yes. to work for a church. Yeah. In some capacity. Yeah. And it, in my mind, it was you know, and some maybe people don't know the difference, but like a music director. And a worship leader are different, you know, in terms of singing and right. leading the congregation versus behind the scenes. Okay, you know, so preparing what, music. Let's talk about the difference. What is the difference between yeah. the job of a worship pastor versus a music director? Yeah, so a lot of churches don't have music directors, which right. is one part one part of the conversation. Um, and the music director really is um, someone that helps lead the band, someone that does charts. Uh, if you use Ableton, getting that ready. It's a, arranging. You know, if you're fortunate to do recording, uh, it's you know, running point on those recordings, so that kind of stuff. So it's a lot of behind the scenes, it's a lot of prep work, it's a lot of, it's still pastoring people and it's still meeting with people and having those relationships, mm-hmm. but it doesn't include that um, upfront singing and, you know, speaking leadership to the congregation, you know? Right. And so um, as it would go, like my first job, so I, I back to the getting out of school, like, my first job was actually a worship leader position at a church, you know, because uh, a friend of a friend of a friend of a mom's sister and a whatever, like, mm-hmm. knew, hey, this church out in, you know, Whittier, like this city I'd never been to, needs a pastor or needs a worship pastor. So they hit me up, and I went out to interview, and uh, it was a good interview, but I, I would already say that I was feeling like maybe this isn't, like, home base for me, like this isn't, like, my sweet spot, but... You mean it was leading worship. You mean uh, more like the church, like the, more of okay. like uh, the environment there. Gotcha. Um, but uh, I thought let's give it a try, you know. And so that might be my first thing is it is kind of start saying yes, like be a yes man when when something comes along that's in the realm of what you'd like to do. Maybe just give it a try, you yeah. know. Um, it's doesn't really help sometimes to be super picky at that point, you know. Like right. well, I've got my high standards and whatever. Sometimes it does. Like if you want to 
you know, hold out for something even better. Right. If we're talking about church music in, um, in that kind of thing, especially being theologically on base. Yeah, you sure. Know, being uh-huh. on par with that, making sure that you're what you know to be true mm-hmm. is what that the church is also teaching as well. Yeah, because sure. a lot of times there's miscommunication and right. there can be uh, a lot of issues there if those things don't line up. So yeah. that would be the one, the only time I was probably say have a reservation because I'm a worship pastor, mm-hmm. as you know, as well. So um, the only reservation I would say to tell somebody listening uh, with that is, you know, high standard, quote unquote, uh, make sure that your beliefs line up with what the church so, its beliefs yeah. are. Other besides that, if there's an opportunity, you, you should take it. You know, right. when you're first getting going, because mm-hmm. you know that's getting you out there and giving you opportunities yeah. that you've never had. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, the 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 church part of church music we talked about earlier is is totally paramount. You know, to right. a lot of the conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, so I think in in my mind it was like, oh, I'd love to work at this huge church with a huge budget and like you know do the stuff I see on you know Elevation and Bethel, like all these big churches, you know. But really, this was a four hundred person church that needed, a, and it was a part time position. It was twenty hours a week. Needed a worship pastor, you know. And so ended up doing it for uh, six months. And so at the end of that six months, it was sort of built in to check in, you know, with the pastor. It's sort of a you know, how's it going? Mm-hmm. You know, do we want to keep this going? So at that meeting, you know, we were both able to kind of voice, I don't know if this is for me. I was feeling like a lot of things at that point. One was I didn't know if the church environment was right, you know, for um, just how it was run and and how it felt on Sundays, you know, wasn't maybe the center of my target. And the other thing was I, I really didn't care for the singing part. You know, I didn't, that isn't my strength. I'm more, more of a guitar player. And so um, getting up every Sunday and singing, and uh, having to talk to groups of people, you know, was very yeah. intimidating for me, you know. And so um, I had to put together a makeshift choir out of scratch. Like, it was just stuff that was out of my wheelhouse. And But that was all great. I mean, that would started to formulate what I'm really good at and what I'm not so good at and what I have passion around and what I don't have passion around, you know. And so that's one of the outcomes of being a yes man is just saying, okay, I had experience. I got six months of experience. And then I left and was back to the drawing board. You know, now what do I do? And so um, really I started to hone in. Okay, I think I want, I didn't know what it was called, but I wanted to be a music director. Okay. You know, I wanted to be an assistant. I wanted to help worship leaders lead worship. Mm-hmm. I want to take details off their plate. You know, like this is stuff I was thinking, but I didn't have a name for. And one of the things to make that distinction, when we talk about being a music director versus a worship pastor, mm-hmm. From my experience, worship directors come into play because it's a large church. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. You know, most smaller churches don't need one. They, you know, they need the worship pastor because when I'm working with churches, uh, different places, because I go around, I go around to different churches every weekend and mm-hmm. lead worship, usually. So, those churches are are small enough that I am the worship pastor slash music director right. for that because yeah. I'm putting the charts together and I'm working with the band taking care of everything they don't need two separate positions to do mm-hmm. that it's just not large enough right you know but being at fellowship or huge churches that that opens up opportunities to bring in someone to focus on the music directing totally so just so people understand sort of what the difference yeah. is in that yeah it would be the difference between a church with one creative staff member and like eight <laughs> you know like right. some of these places have you know tons and tons of creative staff yeah. you know yeah, that was a reality too. Was if I want this type of niche job, um, the amount of churches that would hire me goes down 
really exponentially. Really small. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so I, and being in Southern California at that point, we were living in Orange County, and um, I wasn't married, and you know, it was we had big churches around, you know, um, but it was sort of a insider thing, an insider club, a little bit like people knew people and would hire within and that kind of thing. And so uh, the next really part of my story was finding um, Friends Church in Yorba Linda, which was um, where I would go on to work for 10 years. Um, but at the beginning, it was um, really just being invited to play. Hey, do you want to come play on a Thursday night, which was a young adults thing? And so I went and played for that. And um, this is at Friends Church? This is at Friends, yeah, okay. in, in Yorba Linda, California. And how did you, like, who was inviting you? How did you get those opportunities to go yeah it was a my my friend john who i'd gone to um college with um ended up graduating and going and just being you know a tender at that church okay and he said hey man they're really struggling to find a guitar player like i know you're in orange county like would you come out and play for this you know i was like yeah i'd love, love to play for that at the time i was just to fill out what i was doing i was finishing up schools you know still the master's program at that point and uh waiting tables you know so like i'm piecing together like I'm working in you know a restaurant and I'm kind of a student but I'm also like now I'm starting to play for these guys on the mm -hmm. side and um, so they paid a little bit to you know for that to come in you know just a stipend for you know the Thursday and then hey we need someone on Sunday and then I do a stipend again you know so I started to sort of see an opening there like they they need someone there's a gap you know I, I think I can fill that gap and so um, I basically became like a weekend warrior, you know, just playing for, for yep. money, you know, like at this church. And it was really, I mean, it made great friendships there, the relationships I still have to this day. And basically what happened there was there was a guy there named Stephen Martin, and he was the music director at that church. And I, when I met him, I, I was standing, you know, sitting across the table from a guy that had the job I wanted. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, this is cool. So yep. this guy doesn't sing, you know, um, he's an, a genius at like, string parts and arranging and would do all the behind the scenes stuff. So they had three creative pastors when I got there. Two of them led worship and then Stephen, you know. And so I was like, yeah, it's the Stephen position that I'm after, you know. Right. And, that, and then it started to make sense and I saw I saw it in action, you know. So that's a, kind of another maybe just nugget there is is try to find people that are doing what you want to be doing, you sure. know. Um, and if you can imagine it, try to find someone that has already imagined it and has chased after it, you know, because then you can kind of find a lane right behind them where you can just, you know, what do they call that in racing where you're uh, drafting, you're drafting, you yeah. know, it's like you get right behind them and, and you can kind of go where they go. Yeah. And so I, I started drafting Steven, you know, um, and I just hang out with him all the time. I ask him a ton of questions. I go to his office, you know, and just, hey, show me what you're doing. Like, what program do you use to write straight? He showed me Sibelius. I'd never seen that before. Yeah. I was like, wow, okay, so how do you, you know, so then it started getting really nitty gritty. He's just kind of, you know, I again, all of this is looking back. I would say he started mentoring me, you know, yeah. but even though that was never stated, you know, and would show me stuff and uh, just sort of, he it was a lot of theoretical things as well like this is why we lead worship this is what's behind good preparation this is why excellence matters like you know this is how you run a rehearsal you know like right. all that kind of stuff was invaluable um but i was still i mean only just a weekend player like you know paid when i was there you know and so over the i would say probably two or three years um it wasn't a i would say a, a a real position it was just more of a hey when i'm out of town would you mind leading the band this weekend it was just creeping up in the yeah. organization where yeah. it was a little bit here and then 10 hours a week here and then 15 and okay now now 
you're our part-time music director assistant. You know, like there's... It just happened naturally. Yeah, it's just the role kind of creates itself. Um, and part of that is is something I was taught early on, which is to, to be a value, like be valuable to people, you know, and that's a relationship that's um, helping, go, that's like going above and beyond. You know, like you didn't ask me to stay, but I was the last one to leave, you know, like that kind of stuff. And part of it was because I loved it, you know, like... I, I love the people I was playing with. I love the church, like great teaching, great programs for kids. It was just a vi- like a vibrant place to be a part of, you know. And so I didn't want to go anywhere else and didn't necessarily need it to be a full-time job at the time, which was great, you know. And so, yeah, by the time I became like 30 hours a week, it was like, okay, now I'm on staff at this church. Like I'm, you know, I'm helping people lead worship. I'm doing, I'm playing guitar a ton. I'm like producing, you know, little recordings here and there. I had kind of gotten there other than the full-time job, you know? And so uh, at that point, Stephen came to us and said, you guys, I feel like God's calling me on. Oddly enough, he went to go teach at Azusa Pacific where I had oh, yeah. been a student, you, you know? <laughs> and so That's cool. he went on to be the chair or whatever of the worship department at Azusa, you know, which full circle, like, was a totally a program I would have done <laughs> had they had it back in 2002, you know. And so with his uh, absence, you know, they came to me and just said, you're a natural choice. Would you be our full-time music director? You know, so at that point it was, wow, I had walked this whole road and this was over probably six years at this point of being involved with this church that, that the reins kind of got handed over to me. Um, and then through that time too we had hired a, a, a huge huge person in my life named Aaron Blanton Aaron Blanton <laughs> you know so this is the Aaron part of the story yes. you know and so um, Aaron was a guy that actually was from here in Tennessee um, grew up in Hendersonville got into music did um, a lot of bands uh, Sonic Flood By the Tree that kind of stuff yep. and when it came time to like you know get married have kids like settle down he had made the decision to come off the road and sort of, I mean, as in a parallel story, like look for church work, you know, mm-hmm. and so the same kind of thing, looked at Saddleback, looked at some other churches in California and ended up at Friends Church, which is where I was. And so when he comes out, we sort of make this, you know, this bond to each other, you know, where we've got similar uh, tastes in music. You know, a lot of the people at the church at that time were older than us. And so it was sort of me and him locking arms you know and really just bringing that church into like a new realm of out of the 90s like maranatha thing yeah into like hey there's these other there's a new wave of like you know of worship music so aaron um, came on as as a worship leader yeah worship pastor yeah because we had had a guy there that left and so there was a, a gap some, some other people were leading part-time right but we really needed a full-time guy that was there all the every weekend in front of people leading which was perfect i mean that, that has been part of my story that that's not my strong suit and that is his strong suit right and he might say that details and prep is not his strong suit and so yeah. it was good, really a good God, partnership it was a partnership for sure and, and really i feel like it was God ordained just to put us in the same place at the same time, you know, um, and say, hey, you guys make a team and, you know, this is a good thing. And so we worked together for seven years um, of uh, my time there at Friends. Um, and it was awesome, man. Like it was just, you know, I feel like we got so much accomplished when we were there. We, we turned the ship in, a, in a, I think, in a pretty major way towards the worship culture, like helping people to really engage with the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, the team, I mean, we saw great relationships built, some a lot of growth in terms of how people felt connected to that church. And so all of that was, was part of it, you know? Yeah, l- let's take just a minute. Uh, I want to continue on with the story, but let's. Mm-hmm. I, I want to kind of focus in on a minute on just 
a little more detail on what it takes to be a music director okay. at a church. Like, yeah. what are some specific things that you have to do day in and day out yeah. to make that that position work? Yes. if you can. Yeah. So you had mentioned that a lot of churches don't have music directors, right. and so that it might be the same questions to say, what does a music pastor that has to sure. wear that hat do? Exactly. You know. So basically, uh, musicians don't know what to play until we tell them. <laughs> you know. And so uh, there's a lot of frustration that can be built with um, with drummers and bass players and piano players coming into a Sunday and it's like, oh, I don't know what we're doing. Uh, what do you want to do? You know, like that, that would be worst case scenario <laughs> for a Sunday morning. And so best case scenario is, um, is really planning things out and handing people information they can trust. You know, it's going to be these four songs or five songs. It's going to be in these keys. And I made a chart from scratch for you to read, you know? So a part of it is the, the skill to take down music, you know? So a new, uh, Bethel song or Leland song that it, we want to do, someone's got to chart that if it's not out there, you know? And so um, most of the time that's me, you know, making a chart for it. There are great resources now, praise charts and multi-tracks and there's stuff, you know, websites are helping people sure. left and right, you know? But for me, it's it's really like organizing all of that information. Planning Center is my friend, you know, like going on there, making sure that when we invite people, they can see all the resources, they have all the MP3s in the right key and and so a lot of it is uh, that's my organizational detail side of, of my a brain. A lot of administration, totally stuff. Yeah. Actually, yeah, it's a, kind of a music administration job, yeah. which I you know I meet a lot of creative people that are horrible at that side, that side of the brain. And for whatever reason, like I have always been sort of that like nerdy school kid that mm-hmm. was like get all my things in a row, you know, like get all my yeah. my folders and my pens, you know, like that was kind of me when I was in school, you know, so. A job like that where it's not all creative, a lot of it's, you know, detail oriented. I love that. Like I eat all that up, you know. And so, you know, really a lot of it is the relationships too because, you know, at Fellowship we have a model where we use contract worship leaders. And so they go to church here, but they don't office here. Um, They don't. It's really just paid when they leave worship. And so um, part of how I look at music directing too is I'm like the most direct connection with the band people you know and so i in a, in a way i pastor them differently than um, our worship leaders would or our pastors would um, because i'm their first point of contact you know so i'm taking them out to lunch i'm grabbing coffee and i'm you know getting to know them on a personal level and that's one of my joys like as a music director is not just to accomplish music you know but to to really see the people as the, the in this church these are my people you right. know that i can pastor so yeah yeah uh okay so continue on now with Aaron, yeah, and um, you and him worked together for about seven years. Yes, uh-huh. at Friends Church, and then Aaron came back to to Nashville That's and right. came back to church here and became and came on staff. So when I was on the was when I was on the worship team here on a regular basis, cause I don't get to be here very often any longer since I'm out uh, um, on the weekends. Mm-hmm. But when I was playing every weekend, Aaron came on staff here and um, became the worship leader, worship pastor, and. Uh, and then shortly after, um, the music director that we had on staff at the time mm-hmm. uh, left, and then you came in. And so I'm assuming that was because Aaron, that was a connection between Aaron bringing you in, having something to do with that, obviously. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So he was at Friends, and it really just felt a call back to Nashville. You know, I, I'd like to get my family back to Tennessee and, um, you know, had a time in California that was great, but moved back here. And so um, he was only here for probably four or five months until he visited again. And we did a conference together. And one of the nights at the conference, he just said, man, 
I think that there could be a role for you at fellowship that I think would be good for you um, if you want to move. You know, like this is all contingent on we had just bought a house. We had just had a son, you oh, know, yeah. and so, you know, he was our, yeah, our oldest was six months old, you know, and we had just gotten into the house. So it was like, I know this is probably terrible timing, but I feel compelled to tell you I'd love to work with you again. And we have an opening <laughs> for a music director. So he just put that out. Uh, to me and so we prayed about it and um, spent a couple months just going back and forth on is this best for us like do we want to move do we want to you know keep staying here so I just came out um, and you know visited fellowship and did some interviews and met the pastors and just really got a sense that um, this was a great great place to worship and a great place to learn um, you know from God and to be in community and so I didn't feel like I was leaving someplace great to someplace unknown it was sort of like this is either way is gonna be great yeah you know? and then you met me and you're like well i've got to go obviously. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah marty goes here so <laughs> what uh, the heck? <laughs> how, how much better can it be um yeah so then shelly came out my wife shelly came out and um as soon as we landed and started driving around she's like oh this is beautiful like I, cool. I can live here like this is amazing you that's know? good and the family feel of tennessee and all that was just such, such a draw you know and so uh, and part of it, too, was when he left, like, I, you know, not to get all mushy, but, like, there was a, sort of a void there, you know, like, we had worked together for so long. Yeah. When he was gone, it was, you know, it was still fine, but it, it didn't feel the same, you know. Sure. And so the prospect of working with him again, you know, uh, sort of was the, the, you know, deal maker, yeah. you know, like, I, I want that. So we moved out in um, the summer of 2015. Yeah. It was sort of a... a an easy transition for me. I talk about to people that relocate um, a lot and the job was so similar. I mean, almost like carbon copy of what I was doing in California with Aaron, who had already done it with. And this is such an easy town to live in. Like, it's just, you know, this, we aren't in some random, like really far off place that, you know, I got to adjust to it. You know, this is, is such a nice, nice area. So um, with a known commodity, like I'd already known Aaron. So it was a really easy move, yeah. Well, and another thing is that, again, as we're always going back to the relationship aspect, mm-hmm. you know, you had built this relationship with the music director that was at Friends to begin with, mm-hmm. and you spent years getting to know him and work under him until you worked your way into this position. Yeah. You know, so that's relationship and trust building. Mm-hmm. And then Aaron comes in, you guys become best friends and coworkers, and you know, and then when he comes back here and says, "Hey, there's a position open. Do you want it?" That's you've you've already built that relationship. Yeah, it's an establishment. You know. Yeah. And so it's not even. I mean, granted, yes, you have to go through the the orientation aspect and, um, you know, interviews and those types of things, but that's kind of that's almost sort of a side issue. Right. Really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because we knew that you were right for the job, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so it was a, it just makes it a lot easier to walk into something that yeah you know you don't have to walk in it cold necessarily right. yeah so yeah I mean in in terms of I mean you hit the nail on the head like Stephen and Aaron you know those two people in my life are you know um, I couldn't have done most of any of this without them you know and maybe it would have been something else maybe it would have different a different path but not in my story that's how it turned out you yeah. know and those relationships were key yeah so I and I should mention here too that. Um, Part of my life, too, part of my life in music has not just been church music, but it's also been piecing together. We might get there later, but piecing together multiple (laughs) streams of income. You know, so even in California, I was working at the church, but, you know, um, many people might be aware that ministry is not like buckets of cash, you know. Um, (laughs) It's far from it. Yeah. And so Southern California. It's a calling. 
Yeah, it totally is a calling, you know, and you feel like God has placed you there for a reason, but it doesn't always pay all your bills, um, right. as it turns out, you know. So, in Orange County, is really expensive, and so I started looking at other streams of income, you know, and but I made a decision to make it in music. Like, I didn't want to go drive for Uber or, like, work at Macaroni Grill, you know, or, like, do these other things, you know, and... So the first thing that came along was teaching. So my friend had um, started a music school, you know, where it was this just, is in California. This is in California, okay. yep. And it's called Savannah Music. And he said, "Hey, we got cello instructors and piano instructors, blah blah blah. We'd love to have you come teach um, guitar to kids, you know." And I said, "Great, you know." So like they were like a block from where the church was. It was really a god thing again, you know. And so uh, I started doing that and, and found that I really loved it. Like, I know that you teach, a, you know, a, a ton as well. Yeah. And um, there was something else that in, unlocked in my brain when I would try to teach someone how to play guitar. Like, I, I became more proficient in technique and I started yeah. understanding concepts that maybe I had never verbalized before. Sure. Like, I just played them. Yeah. And so then they're sitting there going, well, how did you do that without stopping or you know it's like oh uh, exactly how you know? did i do that <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> let the, me think about the it. best way to learn is to teach somebody else how to do it totally yeah because yeah. then you feel like you really have a grasp so um i started doing that and um and that was great side money like this brings in sort of that conversation of i feel like i mean more musicians than not that have to piecemeal together exactly <laughs> their incomes they do a little bit of this a right. little bit of this and that's the whole point of this podcast totally you know is you can make a living in the music industry yeah the majority of us is through multiple streams of income totally you know and so yeah. you're you're teaching guitar mm -hmm. and then you're uh, doing music directing at church yeah and what else did, were you doing out there so the third one was i played for a cover band okay that played country music in southern california so it was one yeah, of these nice. like i uh, make the joke now i had to leave california to stop playing country music you know <laughs> to yeah. come to nashville um yeah but it was another uh relationships i mean you know we're beating the dead horse here on relationships but it was you know another worship pastor oddly enough was the bass player for this band you know and he's like man we get four to six gigs a, a month and we go out and play you know festivals and country events and like whatever you know do you, our guitar player just left. Do you want to join? I was like, man, I don't listen to country music. He's like, neither do I. Like, it's great. Get in here, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, right away I went to a couple, I guess, auditions. It was really just playing in a rehearsal with these guys. Had to learn, like, 40 songs, you know, like in two weeks. And um, just I remember those, you know, just slogs. That's, like, that's, that's brutal. Oh, yeah. I haven't learned that much trying music. Trying to and... make number charts really quick and learn and got my guitar out. It's like midnight. I'm trying to play quietly and... Anyway, but I learned the whole set, and, and that was a really great, you know, thing, because it was after work, you know, I'd, I'd do dinner with the family, and then and then go out and play these shows, like, you know, from 8 to midnight or something, you know, or later than that, you know, and so it was a really tiring season, you know, to, to do that. It was those three jobs, you know, the church, teaching lessons, and, and the band, you know, but... but th that allowed you to stop... Um waiting tables yeah so i was not yeah i was at uh, i actually was at macaroni grill um and stopped doing that and stopped doing some of the other you know just like side work that wasn't mm -hmm. music like I, I had just just made a decision like if i'm gonna be out of the house like we had a you know an infant son and i'm gonna be doing stuff uh, i'd like it to be in my wheelhouse instead of just for money because right. i feel like that i would have been dead behind the eyes like working for uber or lyft or something you know um and so a lot of people 
it can come down to like, I need money today. And so I'm going to go do this, you know? And for me, it was, I, I want, if I'm going to have three jobs <laughs> at once, right. which sounds exhausting and it is, you know, like that they would all be connected. You know, I'm, I'm using my skill as a musician to earn money for my family, you yeah. know? And so it was great. It was a great season. Um, I'm glad it's over, uh, <laughs> you know, because it wasn't sustainable in this, in a way, um, especially those late nights with the band. But, um, you know, I, again, that, that, I felt that was God's provision for us at the time, you yeah. know? So now that you're here in, in Nashville and you're music directing here at Fellowship, mm-hmm. um, you've, and then you go out and play for artists sometimes. You play for me. Mm-hmm. We go out on the road every now and then, and mm-hmm. I get to bring you out and, um, you know, help out in that way, and uh, which has been amazing. But then you also are working and doing some other things as well. One of the things I love that it, it, you work with is called uh, a company called Tone Junkie. Mm-hmm. And so talk to us about what that is and how you got into that. Yeah. Again, uh, relationship. Shocker. Um, (laughs) But I had met a guy here named John, and um, we had basically bonded over gear. You know, so we'd go to his house and and another guy named John just get all of our gear out and just start playing it. You know, it was sort of like some guys do cars, some guys, you know, do sports. Like, it was like, we love music and gear, so we're just going to play, you know, maybe once a month or twice a month. Yeah. So we would do that, and um, and John Sullivan, you know, who started uh, Tone Junkie, basically um, said at that point we should be recording these. You know, um, I think people would like to listen to us play. You know, or I talk about gear, and me and the other John were kind of like, I don't know, man, like that. He, but he had a vision and he had a passion for it, and was like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. So he bought camera gear and recording gear, like we got here, and just started recording us, you know, talking and playing and. And so it was, it was fun at the beginning and we got some listeners and some subscribers and like started building the whole thing. Uh, but what really changed it was when he bought a Kemper, you know, which is um, a digital amplifier for those mm-hmm. that don't know. And um, it's uh, basically captures the sound of an amp and puts it in a box, you know, yeah. in a, a digital way. And so it's not modeling an amp. It's actually, it's actually recording a physical amp and putting that sound into the Kemper. Yes. Basically. Uh-huh. Yeah. You sort of record it in a way, yeah. you know, but you capture that sound sort yeah. of like an IR. And so we all started playing those at church and you've got them and yeah. we love them. And, you know, um, there were people like Michael Britt and some other people that were making third party, you know, amp captures for people to, to buy and to, uh, to use. And so John Sullivan said, I could do that. Like I've got mics, I've got equipment, I can make these things, you know? So we started getting amps, you know, it's just our amps that we own. So we started profiling them, you know, capturing them and putting them on a website saying these are for sale. This is 10 bucks, this is 15 bucks, you know? And so, I mean, I had no idea at that point that this would take off like it has, you know, and I had uh, no foresight, you know, like looking back, I think John did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's why he, you know, he's an entrepreneur, yeah. business owner, like he, he's got a good head on his shoulders, you know, and so, um, I mean, it's been crazy. It's We've been going for two years, and I mean, we're thousands and thousands of orders. I mean, just people flowing in from all over the world, like That's different awesome. countries um, are, you know, we love your profiles, and like, this is why we play a Kemper, so that we can have Tone Junkie stuff, you know, and um, it just made a little following, and it's got a YouTube channel, it's got a podcast, it has all the stuff around it, you know, and so it, that has become, it was a hobby, and I would do it for fun and do it for free, because I loved it to now being able to uh, be contracted by John just to help out with demos or help out with performances or whatever he needs, you know, he, he sort of runs the ship and then um, I'm, I'm sort of tagging along, you know, like yeah. uh, on his coattails, which is a great place for me to be. Like, I don't have 
the time or energy, you know, for that kind of entrepreneurship, you know, but he does. Yeah. And so, um, man, it's been, it's been great. And it's another, another way of saying like, this is music. Like I'm making music, I'm making music products for people to, to use in their bands and their churches and their, you know, clubs mm -hmm. and tours. Like it's just being a part of that, like machine of like music going out to the world. It's, it's cool to have like one little piece of that. Yeah. With Tone Junkie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and they're phenomenal amp sounds and i love using them and um so people definitely need to go check check out tone junkie and what is the website for that by the way i believe it's tonejunkiestore.com okay and then the, it's also on youtube under tone junkie tv okay yeah yeah so people need definitely need to go check those those out and that gives yeah. them an opportunity opportunity to listen to what you do how you play what your sounds yeah, are right. yeah uh -huh. kind of get an idea of you know who you are as a musician and because you play so much, not just guitar, but you play drums and you play piano and mm -hmm. you know lots of lots of things. And I think that's something that, if you're a musician, wanting to do music for a living, we all have our main thing yeah. that we focus on. But I think it's really smart to be able to do multiple instruments. Yeah. To take the time to learn, mm -hmm. you know, how different things work because that's going to get you more work. Oh, totally. You know, there's more opportunities if you can multitask. Yeah as a musician as to being just one thing and some people focus on just one thing and they do it really really well mm -hmm. you know and so and there's nothing wrong with either one right but you know i think that you can if you're looking to do lots of things hopefully mm -hmm. you can get more opportunities if you can do multiple yeah. instruments and things like yeah. that. yeah i mean so. talk about being a value to someone who's yeah. just saying hey i'm here i can do this but i've also got this and this and yeah. this and this you know and also because some we were talking about earlier that some people are just on the creative side. If you're creative, you don't necessarily have the, the admin side of things down. Mm -hmm. Your brain doesn't necessarily work that way. But for those of us that it does work, it does for me too. Mm -hmm. I like to have things in order, you know, and on schedule, you know, and then be creative within that space. Mm -hmm. um, especially with some of the things that I do, we're, we're working on deadlines. Yeah, totally. And when you work on a deadline, yeah. you've got to be able to fit everything inside that time, time frame. Yes. So... I think that's important for people to know is if you can make yourself, maybe you have to work on those things, mm -hmm. but I think it's good that if you can make yourself learn how to be more business oriented, if you're not, yeah, or if you're business oriented, but you want to be creative, like take lessons, get something figured out so that you can be able to do both sides of things. Totally. You're going to get more opportunities that way. Yeah. It's a huge aspect of it. Yeah. And that's just being a go-getter and that's being, you know, seeing a deficit and saying like, that's my choice to fix that. Like if yeah. I'm super creative, I can't remember any deadlines or dates, like work on it, you know, like mm -hmm. then find ways, find apps, find like ways to organize your life, you mm -hmm. know, and it's something that will work for you rather than just... I'm, that's how I am. I'll never change, you know, like, and it would go the other way too as well. You know, that's a yeah. great point. Yep. Yeah. Uh, have we hit everything? Like all the different things? Is there, is there anything else that you're doing here in, in Nashville that's besides yeah. Tone Junkie and, and fellowship music directing and out playing like for different artists every now and then? Yeah. And so, so Aaron, again, <laughs> my yes. buddy Aaron. <clears throat> yeah. So, so he was at fellowship for a long time, you know, when I was here as well. And then, um, he just felt kind of a stirring in his heart to, to move on from fellowship, you know, and so this is maybe about a year ago. Um, he went to go work for Integrity Music uh, here in Nashville. And 
music label and you know uh, produces a lot of worship music christian music and um for a long time and so he he jumped in with those guys and um again you know that relationship piece came up again where he he saw a need or a void of uh people to to make charts you know for their their website we are worship and so they call them song setters and so he just called me i think it was about you know last december and just said hey they're I don't even know if you have time for this. Like, you got the church, you got your family, you got two young boys now, um, you got the tone junkie thing. If I can throw one thing, you know, more on your plate, you know, uh, we need people to chart music for integrity. You know, so would you be one of those people to, to come on board and, and be a song setter for us, you know? And so uh, I kind of just looked over the material, looked over, like, some examples of what they needed. And, um, you know, that's... I would say it's in my wheelhouse, but like right on the fringe of it, you know. Right. And so, um, but it's pushing you and making you, yeah, totally stretching you to do something it really different. Is. Yeah, it doesn't come as naturally to me as the music directing thing or even the tone junkie thing, which is basically fun and jamming. Right. You know, this is you know the very technically, you know, um, a lot of technical skill is needed. You know, to to take down a song, take down vocals, and put them into sheet music for people to read. You know. And so I had done that a little bit in school, but it was sort of getting out that old, you know, uh, just that muscle, getting that going again and getting back into it, you know. So I decided to do it and I've been doing it since January um, and it's been great. You know, it's, it's one of those things where uh, I know us musicians are always looking for like the golden egg, which is like minimal effort, like good out, you know, pay or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for this, like I can do it as little as I want or as much as I want, you know, without there so it's being... just a contract. Yeah, there's just a long list of songs that they need done. And just do when you can. Yeah, some of them have deadlines attached to them, and but they're really good about you know, um, hey, can you get these ten songs done by November first, like stuff like that. Yeah. You know? So let's talk about if we can go into a little more detail. Sure. So it's called a song setter. Yes. Being a song setter, uh-huh. and so you're creating a chart, and this is for worship music, mm-hmm. obviously. But what does that look like? Like, what are you physically having to do? Are you working with certain programs and having to input? Uh, it's not just writing out on paper and pen, obviously, yes. but in a computer. But what are you having to put into the computer when you're charting out this song? Yeah, so, yeah. And so, where does it end up when when that's said and done? Where does it ultimately end up? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Yeah, so the the program I use is called Sibelius. Um, there's Finale and there's some other you know products out there. You know, it's a computer program that you can input, you know, as simple music as slashes with chords over it to you know making scores for movies and you know. The new Beethoven, right. uh, again. And so uh, it's funny that full circle, you know, mm-hmm. not wanting to do this for a living. And, and now you're here, doing Here it. I am, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and so, yeah, a lot of it is the ability to hear, and which I know you have as well, the ability to hear music and to spit it back out, you know, instead yep. of just going, I wonder how they played that. Right. You know, knowing that's a C chord and that's an A minor chord right there, you know. And so uh, being able to hear this music and um, really write it out for musicians to play in churches, which is their ultimate goal. And so they actually want um, not only slashes with chords, but they also want all the vocals written out, which is where it starts to get really like a slog. Because you're having to write out Um, the notes that the people are singing. Yeah, so if they sing a, a certain line on the bridge, like I have to write out, that was a dotted quarter into a half note tied to a half note or right. whole note you know so i'm sitting there trying to make sure yeah. it all looks right for a singer to you know to look at it and go okay i know how that song goes you know and they want that in three various forms you know so they want it with some piano music they want it with no piano music they want a lead sheet they want um you know some other guitar 
stuff on it too. So I ended up handing over 10 files per song, you know, so it ends up being a bit of work, you know, for just for one song. And so that's why like a 10 song project, I really have to look at the schedule and calendar and like, can I take this on in three weeks? You know, mm-hmm. but it's been awesome, man. It's, it's been, you know, flexing that muscle that I don't get to do a lot here at fellowship. You know, I, I chart very, very simple charts. Um, and so to kind of push it a little further and to do something a little bit more challenging is, is sort of fun for me. Again, that's that like nerd side of me. Mm-hmm. But it also sort of rounds out, I feel like, my life right now as a musician, which is, you know, I've got this publishing side, which is, you know, technically proficient, you know, but I'm not playing anything. I'm just producing sheet music. You know, and then I've got um, the Tone Junkie thing, which is a ton of playing, a ton of making videos, you know, just behind the scenes kind of music production thing. And then the church thing is is really about I'm with people a ton and working as a team in relationship, playing live before, you know, worship and for God's glory. Like, you know, all three of those things together, like make my life right now which is which is amazing you know and and it really is a blessing so that's awesome yeah so just to wrap up uh what what would be some advice that you would give to people wanting to get into um we'll focus on on worship music or church music for the moment Mm -hmm. like getting into that world and i i know we've been talking about relationships over and over again yeah um so that's obviously a part of it but what would you suggest people do in order to kind of get into that world, if that's mm-hmm. what they're wanting to be a part of? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think one of them is is not being afraid to do jobs that are not ideal, that are not 100% what you want. You know, um, we talked about that at the early part of the story. I really think that is a thing. I see it in some people where they might have an opportunity in front of them, you know, and they go, well, it's not perfect, you know, obviously not for, like we talked about the- theological reasons, but... I don't know, the church isn't as cool as I want it to be, mm-hmm. or it's not as big as I want it to be, or it's, you know, there's, a, a, oftentimes there can be so many reasons to say no to something. And I would just, you know, encourage people, what are the reasons to say yes to that? You know, what are the, the reasons to try it out, the reasons to take it on, and, and maybe give it a, like, I think it was wise for that church that I worked at first to put six months on it. You know, just say, like, hey, this pays nothing, and I'm basically, like, getting coffee for these people, or I'm playing on Sundays only, or whatever it is. You know, um, why not just do it and jump in with these people, make those relationships um, and get the experience, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think that that if you say no to that and you wait and wait and wait, you still have no experience. You know, when you do find something that's perfect for you, you haven't done anything, you know, so like get out and go do something and 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 really, I mean, just jump in with people that are willing to to do that, you know. And and Hillsong and Elevation and all these huge organizations Mm -hmm. and churches and parachurches and whatever. They're not necessarily going to just hire somebody off the street, right? You know, yeah. to work and put them in front of thousands and thousands of people and yeah. expect them to lead them well because they haven't, you haven't had an experience to yeah. be in front of that many people. You yeah. know, so it's a matter of starting small, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. You know, and and getting experience leading people yeah. in an intimate placement. Yeah, I think that's really smart. Yeah, you know, as opposed to being starting off in this huge conglomerate of right. uh, of space, you know, with people, mm-hmm. with tons and tons of people, you know, so I think it's these stepping stones. If you're wanting to be, and a lot of people don't even want to be in front of 10,000 people yeah. leading anyway. That is and the so ultimate that's, for That's not everybody. the ultimate for yeah. everybody, and that shouldn't, 
I mean, that shouldn't really be the goal of anybody of, hey, I want to be in front of these this many people mm-hmm. leading because that's not the purpose of, of worship leading to, to begin with. Right. I think that just sort of happens when God allows it to happen. You yeah. Know, if he's if he's going to. Mm-hmm. But and also to remember that the percentage of huge churches and organizations like that are are very minimal. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only a few that are really huge like that. So, you know, it's the vast majority of churches and ministries are very small mm-hmm. or medium size. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where the, the majority of people work and lead, and that's where the most need is anyway. Oh yeah, for you know. Sure. So yeah, you know, you need to find wherever you live. You don't have to be in. A lot of times when I'm interviewing people, it's you got to get to the big cities. You got to get to where the music is in Nashville, mm. Chicago, New York, whatever, L.A. Um, but when it comes to churches, man, they're just scoured across the country. Oh, and yeah. There's thousands and thousands of them, and there's tons of churches right now that need worship leaders. Yeah, and great need worship churches, pastors, great people in them. Yeah. yeah, and so you need to wherever you are or wherever you can go, mm-hmm. you know, find opportunities in those places. And, and start there and get experience. And then if yeah. opportunities open up to go somewhere else that is bigger, mm-hmm. you know, then um, then great. And if it doesn't, then that's not where you're supposed to be anyway. That's right. fine. Yeah, I, th- there was this concept that, that, you know, is a biblical concept of, of being faithful in a little and right. then be, being faithful in a lot. Right. You know, and, and not, I think that the human nature, our tendency is to want to jump right to, well, give me everything and I'll be, I'll be super good at it. I'll mm-hmm. be faithful. You know, but that's not what we see in scripture. Like, you know, um, it's these like one talent and then 10 talents and then a hundred, you know, like mm-hmm. there's a, there's a concept there that is good for, uh, in the work, you know, space that is, uh, you know, it's the first one there and the last to leave. It's that guy that's putting in hours. He's not getting paid for, you know, it's, it's all that stuff that I think does go a long way and, and people notice it and they want you on their team. They yeah. want you, you know, yeah, because you're serving, you're there to serve. Mm-hmm. That's your goal yeah. is to serve people and to serve God and to lead his people. Mm-hmm. It's not, a, it's not supposed to be, you know, what can this do for me so that I can get something bigger down the road? That's yeah. not the purpose of ministry to right. begin with, uh-huh. you know, and, um, so I think people need to know that. Yeah, yeah, and I've and, you know I've got a perspective on this that um, I was never on the road with the bands. Like I never was really into recording music. Like you know I haven't worked with these big artists. You know so like I I want people to hear that too. Like my, part of my story is is being in church my whole life. You mm-hmm. know and being in these little bands that did nothing. You know and so it isn't always this like grandiose thing. Mm-hmm. You know where you. Um, you know, everyone knows your name and you're super famous, you know. Right. Um, I found such joy in, ch- in, in playing church music. And, and a lot of people say, oh, that's cool that you do that. Are you also going to go, you know, like now that you're in Nashville, are you going to tour with, you know, like all these people? And it it just isn't like that. You know, for me, it hasn't been like that, you know. And I think that um, people need to hear that and know that it's, it's great on this side as well, you know. And so there isn't – if people have expectations about I want it to be this as a stepping stone, mm-hmm. like you said, it isn't always a stepping stone to that, you know. And that expectation, too, of like, you know, coming to move to Nashville so I can go on tour with Keith Urban, you know. It's right. like, okay, what, like, 12 steps do you need to do before you even get to <laughs> a conversation like that, you know. Right. It's that same concept of, like, come here – just start playing with whoever, you yeah. know, like if you get invited, go play. If you, a little two week tour, go do it, you know, like that kind of stuff. And or if then, it's just staying in town and just working in town on music, totally. not even going on that. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people think they have to be famous. Mm-hmm. If they're going to do music for a living mm-hmm. and be successful at it, you have to be famous. And that's not true at all. Oh yeah. You know, it's like what we're talking about, having multiple streams of income, mm-hmm. doing three or four or five, six things, whatever it might be. 
that allows you to make a living and support a family if you uh-huh. have a family. Uh-huh. Um, you're able to do that, and you know people may not know who you are, and that's okay. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. I mean, some people that's what you're wanting, but a lot of us just want to make a living at it. Yeah. And for us, success is being able to support a family mm-hmm. or yourself and pay your bills yeah. and just do music on whatever level that is, mm-hmm. you know, and that looks different for everybody. But I think that's really, really good that you point that out and say, let people know that, um, that you can do that and not be out playing for huge artists or be yeah. a huge artist yourself or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like it, the concept of like this, the ordinary life, you know, like that, that's okay. You know, like yeah. it doesn't always have to be this extraordinary thing, you know, and I'll, I'll, many days I do feel like I'm, I'm so, so lucky I get to do this, you know, and, uh, but the days I don't feel that way, I'm just fortunate, you know, to, to have made a living, (laughs) you know, doing music, you know, which is, I know this is what, why we're here talking about it, you know, so, um, yeah, that would just, I hope that that comes across as an encouragement to people really just to, you know, we talked about before, but to imagine what best case scenario is for you, you know, and I lo- I would love to be doing this if someday mm-hmm. I can do this, yeah. you know, and then go out and try to find people that have done it, you know, take people to coffee, ask them a ton of questions, like all of that stuff is sort of low hanging fruit, but yeah, people, but people, people don't, don't know remember. that. It's like <laughs> yeah. if people need permission, I think we need to give people permission to say, mm-hmm. I want to reach out, let's say, like you said, coming to town and wanting to play for Keith Urban. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't typically walk into town or drive into town and then all of a sudden you get an opportunity to play for Keith Urban. Mm-hmm. That just t- doesn't typically happen that way. Um, it has happened. I've mm-hmm. had interviews with people that their first first gigs were these huge gigs mm-hmm. that, that they didn't expect, but yeah. it kind of did happen that way. But for the, the majority of people, that's not the way it works. Mm-hmm. So finding out who who works for Keith Urban, his management people, his, sure. uh, you know, his... Um, his band members or whatever it is, because Mm -hmm. especially I think nowadays with social media, everybody, you can friend everybody. I mean, you can friend the artists on social media and become Facebook friends with Keith Urban or whoever it is, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of times. Um, I'm not saying that you can go become friends with Keith Urban on Facebook. (laughs) That's not a disclaimer. (laughs) Uh, But, but you know what I mean? You know, that social media has just opened up that world and it's, it's made the world a much smaller yeah, thing that more connected, you that yeah. more connected that you can reach out to people that are in these positions that you normally back in the day you couldn't do that at all totally yeah. so um and that's how we've we've made friends with people like that you know yeah over facebook and emailing and and getting to know people and going out and say hey can i take you to lunch or a coffee and just get to know because i want to do what you do mm-hmm. and i i'm a fan of who you are and what you do mm-hmm. especially let's say like a you know a musician that plays for him or something like that or yeah. Uh, management or whatever like I want to be in that position right you know can I take you to coffee and uh, and just get to know you mm-hmm. and learn from you and most most of the time I think people in those positions are willing to do that right because you know if you're taking the time to figure out who they are and have interest in what they do yeah not because of who they work for but because you appreciate who they are and what they're doing anyway yeah then I think that opens up a chance to build a friendship there and then those things in turn will open up doors maybe not totally. for that particular thing it may open right. up a different door for you yeah. you know but you know that's the way this business works yeah you know it's a ton better than just sitting home and hoping right. <laughs> something materializes yeah turn off know? the tv and <laughs> you know people. Yeah. and go out and meet people and you know and make 
make your dreams a reality. Totally. You know, you're not going to, it's not going to come to you. Mm -hmm. You've got to go look for it and work for it, you know, no matter what it is you're doing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anything else that you would suggest? Anything, any things to not do? What would you suggest? (laughs) Hey, don't do this. Things to avoid. Things to Um, avoid. I think the biggest thing that comes to mind is probably just assumptions, you know, like, uh, or any entitlement or like I deserve this or if people knew how good I was then they would whatever I think there's a lot of of that in the water you know I I think I've honestly felt it more here in Nashville than I did in California and I think it's just that I deserve this just sort of a a a thing in the air about like I'm just I'm I'm gonna be a star I'm just nobody's discovered me yet that kind of thing you know um or you know, with songwriters, like, I just need that one song that everyone's going to hear and then I'm, I'm going to blow up, you know, like all that stuff. And so I would just, you know, there's a humility, I think, that um, can be inserted <laughs> into uh, into a thinking like that that, uh, that would help a lot. Um, you know, concepts of, like, generosity and just gratitude for what you have and for who you get to work with. Like, that kind of thing, I think, can go a long way in tempering out, you know, some expectation or some uh, sense of entitlement, you know, because it is, it's actually working against you, I think, you know, to have those in your mentality, because people can feel that, you know, mm-hmm. if you, you get into a job interview, or you get to an audition for a band, or you get to these situations where you're right on the precipice of, of working, you know, just pay attention to how you're coming across to people, you know, because um, sometimes it's not just your ability, you know, maybe more often it's not your just your ability that people pick up on. It's 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 your attitude. Um, it's your outlook on life. You know, mm-hmm. you might not think people can sense that, mm-hmm. but it's written all over your face, you know. And yeah. so um, I would just it's sort of a general principle of like that, that positivity, you know, can go a long way and just and, and being a, a nice, decent person, you know, um, and and not having that entitlement or expectation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome, mm-hmm. well, buddy. Thank you so much. Oh man, this is I, awesome. I appreciate your time and yeah. um, sharing your story and your expertise and all all of this. And I'm grateful to know you and get to play music with you and look forward to doing that with you again soon. And appreciate your family. So let's real quick as we close out, where can people find find the music that you're working on so like with tone junkie what's what's the website again so it's to, uh, tone junkie store.com okay or on uh youtube at tone junkie tv okay uh-huh. and of course people want to come check out fellowship bible yeah. church here in brentwood tennessee yeah. or in franklin yeah we've got two campuses brentwood um, and franklin uh fellowship bible church and uh-huh. so the website because the services are streamed live on sunday mornings yes so if they wanted to to watch you know, and kind of get an idea because mm-hmm. we've we've got some friends that um, that are worship pastors in other parts of the country that will watch during the week. Okay. They'll come on the fellowship website and watch the service to see what we're doing. Oh, that's and, cool. And how yeah. they're doing, you know, how we're doing things here yeah. to give them ideas for how to implement some things at their churches. So I think okay. and I think that's a really cool thing that that we get to do yeah, is to pr- provide that. Some churches can do that, some can't, you mm-hmm. know, if they're live streaming, but um, what's the Fellowship's website? So that... No, I think it's <laughs> fellowshipbiblechurch.org. Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> I had to like go off the top of my head for that. <laughs> yeah, um, fellowshipbiblechurch.org. So people uh-huh. want to come on and they can live stream or go back and watch uh, previous services. And, yeah, and kind they're of... all archived on there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's cool. Yeah, and right. then if they need charts, <laughs> you know, they can go to weareworship.com, uh, which is through Integrity Music. You know, that's okay. where all, all these can be found. But perfect. Yeah, awesome. 
Well, it's good to see you again. Thank you so much for your time. And yeah. Have a great day. Thank you very All much, right, man. Bye. Thank you guys again so much for hanging out and listening to our conversation with Nate Sousa today and learning more about putting music and ministry together and how those things work hand in hand. I hope you can take these principles and apply them to your career, whether it be in ministry or in the mainstream music world. It doesn't matter. It works in all facets of the music industry. Be sure to let me know if Edenbrook Productions can help you with consulting services via phone call, Skype, or FaceTime. Be sure to let us know how we can help you begin to make a living in the music industry.